0: Welcome into a new episode of get fiddles and paradiddles my name is Chris
1: my name is John
0: and guys welcome into episode 25 John and I had to had to look at this for a second and go yes, wait. We
1: make sure we get our our um, our the right nomenclature yeah. for our show here but I think we were we were also kind of surprised I was like is yeah it
0: 25' and we were like wait I, no,
1: yeah yeah maybe possibly yeah mm. I think we're at 25 the big two five 25. So a quarter of
0: the way to 100.
1: Yeah, we're plugging along. Um, we're plugging we, along. Uh, we'd appreciate if everybody would go and like and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Is that what they say, mm-hmm. Chris? No? Like
0: and subscribe. I, I, you know, yeah, give us some feedback on, yeah. on iTunes mostly. The iTunes feedback is the most beneficial. It helps us get yes. bumped up the list of podcasts. And uh-huh. even if it's negative.
1: Yeah, uh, let know, us know. We want
0: to know yeah. honesty and, and you know, that feedback yeah. just makes it more viable. Yes, absolutely. So hit us up, y'all. We, we we love the words, we love the, the kind words and the constructive words.
1: Absolutely. We'll we'll take it any way we can get it.
0: Yes. So John, uh tell me about your weekend and what you got coming up.
1: Uh so yeah, we've been uh we've been plugging along, man. We had uh, some had a real fun gig uh, this past week down at thirty-seven in Maine mm-hmm. in Buford, Georgia. Buford, as Siri would buffered. say. <laughs> Bufford. It's actually Buford, Georgia, Buford. but Siri calls it Buford. Yep. So if you're ever she- in Georgia and you're going to Buford, uh, it will be called Buford if you're listening to Apple Maps. Anyway, yes. Yes. Um, Great, just a just a kick-ass show, man. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really excited that you're you're playing with us now, and it's just the energy was just great and. Uh, got lots of good feedback from um, people that came out to see us and stuff. So, you know, church gig, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure, oh, yeah. um, you know, I, I know what your gig schedule is now. because yeah. we're, we're, we're basically do, doing yeah. the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, while we're
0: talking about 37 in Maine, I kind of want to give a shout out to uh, the drummer that played. Oh yes! Uh, oh my the, gosh! The please. Jason yes. Aldine uh, tribute band that played there. Their drummer's name is Josh. Yes, and dude, he was super, super gracious. Yes,
1: all the guys in the Aldine tribute band were yeah. just super nice to us, and we really appreciate them sharing the bill with yeah. us. Yeah.
0: But the drummer, I mean, he let me use his kit. Yeah, his he did. The which whole is shebang, cra- kind man. Kind of unheard of. Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of gave me a tour of his whole rig before we went up there, which of yep. course made the gig easy. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I was uh, coming off of vacation, you mm-hmm. know, I was arriving back from vacation that day. So not only did it make it great, you know, for load in and load out, but I didn't have to think about that coming in from and vacation. Just like, a
1: super, know. super huge help for yeah. us too. Yeah. That dude so, was awesome. Yeah. Big uh, shout out to them. Thank you, Josh. We appreciate it.
0: Yeah, man. Um, well, John, let's, uh, let's talk about something we're we're both very passionate about. And that's not only, uh, Georgia sports, but mm-hmm. the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. The
1: Braves, you know, they are, uh, these Braves, man, they're they're one of the teams I love to hate mm. here in this state. You know, it's, um, you know, one of the, you know, I, no offense to you soccer fans, I respect it, and um, my um, I have family members that play soccer and they're really talented and doing good things in soccer, but it's just not. The passion, it, the passion. Yeah. You know, um, you know, the Braves are the only team that brought us a championship mm-hmm. um, that I remember. Mm-hmm. You know, Georgia had one, but I was just born in 1980, so that doesn't count for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Braves, they 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 gave us a taste. Mm-hmm. You know, they showed of, us what, of, it,
0: what it feels like.
1: Right, and we should have had two more, but mm. that's another topic for another day. But yeah, the Braves are are uh, hot, H O T T, very hot. hot. So hot, in fact, that uh, the
0: statistic that I love and, and kind of kick around is that they've scored ninety runs over the last eleven games. Good. Let that let that sit in.
1: Yeah, let that marinate on your on your meat. Uh, ninety runs. According to my math, that's about eight runs a game. Yeah, that's huge. That's you know I don't care how how crappy your pitching is if you can score eight runs a game, you've. Probably secured a victory. Yep. And the Phillies are slipping. Um, yeah. Today's standings,
0: they, they, they are four games behind the Braves, who who we know are in a first A full, place.
1: solid four games. That's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, just what, you know, probably before they went on this winning streak, you know, mm-hmm. about 12, 13, 14, 15 games ago. Yep. The mindset. Yep. Was, I think you and I were even uh, on the inaugural uh, of us having this segment in our podcast. Mm-hmm. Me, especially, just not really getting on the bandwagon. Well, we talked about
0: standings. Yes, I remember us talking about the Mets and the Washington and the Marlins and like where the standings would be, the projected standings and all these things. Mm -hmm. And most projections put the Braves at third. You know, most all of them were uh in third with Washington in second place, the Mets in fourth place, Uh obviously the rebuilding Marlins in fifth place. So everybody's like, Oh, the Phillies are going to be in first, right? So, as it stands right now, Mets are in third, Washington's in fourth. The Marlins are still 5th. That's fine. Yeah, they're they're and, they're and the our, gutter of and our, the And our Bravos are number 1.
1: You know, and and for me, it's just um, you know, I, I, I the team obviously hit their stride. Yeah. So, now that I've seen what they can do, and with the addition of Dallas Keuchel, uh, mm. I believe, coming up. Uh, I think he's starting Should tomorrow, be, isn't he? Or this, yeah, or? it's soon. It's very soon, like next two or three days. Yep. So, you know, you're, you're basically addition by subtraction to your pitching staff. You know, obviously he goes up to the top and everybody else gets slid down one, which right. is great because that right. builds depth and it, helps, um, it can help your bullpen. But, you know, the Braves, to me, are a – legitimate closer away from being a world series contender yeah, for, for sure for like, sure not not a not a doubt in my mind but when you still trot out luke jackson <laughs> my, my my sphincter tightens up a whole lot chris
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a a scary thing when a starting pitcher has to come out in the fourth inning or the third inning you know and,
1: you know and, and that's just so not braves pitching mm-hmm. like right. when you think of braves pitching and it's heyday and we're spoiled obviously but like I don't ever remember Maddox getting pulled, unless he just got shelled, you know, But which was hardly ever. But those guys pitched seven innings yeah. every game. Every game. I mean, it's not just the Braves. That was a, a it was. thing yeah, it
0: was. for pitchers right. in the 80s and 90s. Right. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the clip of the Nolan Ryan thing where the pitcher – I mean, the uh, manager – of the team he was pitching for, whoever he was mm-hmm. at that point, started to take him out and he just was like, No, I'm not coming out. Like I'm not. Like yeah. that's just a mindset that those guys were like, I got this. Yeah. You know? And now it's it's more about the injuries, you mm-hmm. know, the hundred pitch rule mm-hmm. and all these things. Yeah, so, it's just
1: a different it's, it's a different, different it's a different game, but nonetheless the Braves are uh kicking butt and taking names and I I'm surprised. I'm shocked. I because I didn't think that they would be able to uh consistently do it I've yeah. seen them do it in spurts, but now you know you do it over you know twelve games, eleven, twelve games, like okay, yeah, all right, you know because yep. you you know now you're 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 doing what you know if you win series, you know. You're gonna be you're gonna be just fine at the end of the year when you're you know yep you're taking two out of three or you mm-hmm. know three out of four three
0: out of four or with the pirates or, four out of or four four out of
1: four, out of four. Mm-hmm. you know you do that <clears throat> consistently then you're gonna be just fine mm-hmm. you know I I just worry that uh, once the competition gets stiffer we got to go up against
0: we got to play the Cubs soon yeah um so that's coming up this month so yeah. we'll see you know obviously the competition gets a little a little stiffer it'll be yeah. a learning thing
1: you yeah know? for sure hopefully they learn some. You know, because Degrom shut him down the other night, dude. Yeah. I mean, he single handedly, pretty much. Yeah. Y- you know, but there's only a handful of those pitchers right. in in right. baseball, right? Yeah, the Scherzer, you know, maybe, the yeah, four or five, yeah. maybe. Yeah, and but you're gonna see all of them in the playoffs. Yeah. That's that's the problem, right? So you got to be able to, you know, it's cool putting up ten runs against. You know, you know Johnny Paycheck against mm-hmm. the Marlins. Yeah, you know pitching five point something yards. ER. Right, yeah. exactly. But you know, let me see you do that against Jacob Degrom or yeah. or Max Scherzer or, yeah. or Ryu from the Dodgers. Yeah. yeah. Then, then I'll if, when they do that, I will totally be on the bandwagon, hundred yeah. yeah. percent. So. Well, go Braves. We're Yeah, uh, go Braves.
0: We are we're watching and, and excited and it's amazing to see these kind of things. It's really yeah. exciting for for Georgia, for Georgia sports.
1: Yeah, it really is. It really is super uh, super pumped to see what uh you know get this thing down into august and september and see what we're going to do
0: yep it's gonna be good well john let's talk about some music stuff man yeah
1: yeah so i know um this has been something i've been wanting to do um you know we you know we have pre-production that we that we do before we do our podcast so we make sure we know what we're talking about (laughs) fine folks um, but we've just been so guitar heavy lately and I want to get into some drum talk and mm-hmm. yeah, John um, came with me and he's like,
0: Hey, you, you want to talk about drums more? Like we haven't talked yeah, about drums. I and,
1: just feel like yeah. everything's just been so guitar centric lately. Um, you know, with, with me talking about my, my experiences going into the digital world and, um, just kind of, you know, we've been not really focused on, on drum stuff mm-hmm. and, Um, a perfect way to talk about drum stuff is, um, piggybacking off my line six, um, you know, company, um, I was just, you know, basically making them out to be the greatest ever who if they want to give me an endorsement, I will tell everybody that they (laughs) are the greatest ever, but no, uh, line six is owned by the Yamaha musical corporation now, Mm -hmm. uh, which is perfectly leading us into, uh, what I want to talk about, um which is, um, you know, your brand new Yamaha drum set. So- well,
0: brand new, so to speak. Um, and I think what kind of brought us to this was that I was telling John about this, this drum set. And um, across the course of my my playing i've not had a very many drum sets you right know? i mean drums are expensive yeah they are but I, I get kind of married to one yeah. you know and i love it and i, I like the predictability of a drum mm-hmm. set especially when i know how to tune it really well yeah. and um especially you know getting one out on the road and and so oh yeah it's, it's huge strong yeah you gotta, it, yeah, and, you know, you gotta have up.
1: you gotta know it's gonna stand the the rigors of the road if you will
0: right so sure. you know I'll always look back to a, a kit I wish I never sold, which was a, a Tama star classic, which was probably mm-hmm. my first like quote unquote pro drum set. Yep. Um, and I think I've been trying to search for that, you know, thing again, mm-hmm. and I believe I found it. Um, you know, what I recently purchased only about a month ago is a very unique Yamaha drum set. Yes. It is a, um, birch kit, which mm-hmm. coincidentally, the Tama set that I had was a birch kit. Yes. I love the sound of that. kit. Yeah more attack, yep. more, more, you know, frequency, you know, that, that's just different. I think what we're, what our ears are used yeah. to hearing is, is maple wood. You right. Know, right. And I go and listen to a lot of different drum sets, depending on where, if I sit in at a church or mm-hmm. a gig like we mm-hmm. did the other night at 37 main, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quick to look at the kit and go, is this something I've played before? Is it a maple kit? Right. Okay. I know what to expect, mm-hmm. but I sit down at some drums and it's Oak. Or mm-hmm. it's birch. Yeah. Or, or babinga. babinga or, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. or a mixture like the babinga birch right. type things. Yeah. Right. Those are exciting because it's like, okay, this isn't maple, this is something cool. Like yes. you know, what happens if I hit it really hard right. or when I hit it really soft? Yeah. Uh and birch has been Pretty much my favorite. I will say, yeah. close runner-up is oak. Oak mm-hmm. drums are incredible too.
1: Yes, I actually have a uh, <clears throat> one of my Telecasters that I have as a figured red oak top. Mm-hmm. The Sunburst Tele that I play, it's it's red oak. Yeah. So everybody thinks when they look at it, it's very similar to a flamed maple, but mm-hmm. it's actually a uh, flamed red oak. No, oh, that's cool. I've never seen a guitar that has a oak top on it. But to speak to that, yeah, the oak wood is a very um, lots of uh tonal integrity and fidelity mm-hmm. to that wood for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm.
0: so i did some looking for a while and uh i knew i wanted to get a new kit mm-hmm. i wanted something a little smaller because the kit i currently play now depending on the gig it's it's a little big you yeah know? If we have some big stages perfect it, it yep. works for that it's a mobile yeah. kit you know it's that you know tried and true right you know just that's the one to use Mm -hmm. but i wanted if i was going to go to something totally different right i wanted to also get different sizes and um, one of the things that was a big point for me is that i wanted a 20 inch bass drum yes that was i had to Uh have a 20 inch bass drum so i uh that's the way i started looking whenever i started looking at kits Mm -hmm. it wasn't the type of wood it wasn't the finish Mm -hmm. it wasn't the. it was just that 20
1: 20 inch kick was the centerpiece
0: that was it if it was like i played 22s my whole life I have kits that have mm-hmm. a 22 inch kick, mm-hmm. you know, that's the standard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I want a 20 inch kick, you know, and drummers like, um, you know, Benny Greb and Nate Smith mm-hmm. and all these great players that are, you know, fusion, jazz, kind of rock, you know, yep. and there's some, there's some drummers out there that have played even metal currently, even mm-hmm. like the, the drummer that plays with uh kill switch Engage.
1: Yeah. He's got a 20 inch bass drum. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just got a different—the uh, um, the frequencies in that, that 20 mm-hmm. um, are a little more penetrating. They cut through. They're not as, you know, just sub-frequency. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's got some articulation to it, mm-hmm. I guess. And for,
0: Yeah, they'll cut through. Um, and a lot of times, like I, what I was doing, too, is like going on YouTube with a really good set of headphones. Mm-hmm. And listening, like a lot of people will— Take a 18, a 20, a 22, a 24, even maybe a 26 mm-hmm. and play a simple pattern across each one. And so, you know, watch those videos and either minimize the screen or close your eyes or whatever yep. uh, and listen and go, you know, which one, which one?
1: Like critically listen, though. Yeah, like really, you know, and do yourself a favor to you. And I'm sure most of you probably already have a good set of lids or in ears, but, you know, definitely monitor that stuff when you're trying to you know listen to uh, for a new piece of gear right get make sure that you've got your absolute best set of headphones or in ears you know whatever you've got yep. so you can really get a good uh, dynamic range. I'm uh, sorry, Andrew. No, 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 but,
0: no, yeah, no, totally agree. Um, so that's what I started doing, and what was funny is I would listen to the video through and go, okay, I like that sound. Yep, not that size because I wasn't watching,
1: yep. and I just would go back and listen through, and I'm
0: like, oh, it's the 20 inch, mm-hmm. okay. And and most times it was the 20 inch bass drum that I really liked and felt like you know this sound is going to be the most versatile. So that was my starting point. The second starting point was, and it was just my own you know my own love of drums was was between either Gretsch or Yamaha. Mm. So once I had it kind of narrowed down to the sounds that I like, the the bass drum that I wanted, I literally started shopping just in those two ranges. And it was only new kits. You know, you go into Sweetwater.com or Guitar Center or Musician's Friend, whatever, and look at the new Gretsch kits, look at the new Yamaha kits. Yep. And it wasn't until I started looking into kind of the history of some of the drums and who plays them, how are they played? What are they used for recording-wise, live-wise, all these things? And then I started gravitating a little more towards Yamaha. Mm-hmm. And it was exciting for me, too, because a lot of my original um, drum heroes and inspirations, like Dave Weckl. Oh, yeah. Uh, Steve Gadd. Yamaha like, Custom you know, Series, Yamaha man. stuff was just what I saw in the ads. Sure. So yeah. I'd see the ad in Modern Drummer, yeah. and then I would hear the stuff, and I'm going, oh, that's, that's how you sound like mm-hmm. that, you know? Um, you know, you, you sound like Dave Wackel if you have a Yamaha drum set. It's yep. just everybody knows that. Yeah. yep. Right. So, I decided to start shopping used instead of new
1: because mm-hmm.
0: I was like, what, "What if I found something unique? If I just looked for used drums, yeah. this is why I say it's new to me." So, I came across this kit um, that was way more than I could have hoped for. It's a 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, the Birch Custom Absolute.
1: Yes, and they sound amazing too. I've I've heard them on gigs, just a not the full version, but a broken down yeah. version of them, and they are something something sweet. Yeah, I, I can't wait to play like the
0: full kit on a on a. I can't a, wait to hear it. Bigger gig. Yeah. Um, but what was crazy is it had the twenty inch bass drum. Perfect. Uh, 10, 12, 14. Perfect. Totally works for most gigs. I don't need a 16-inch floor tom in a lot of situations. Yeah. You know, you tune it right, it'll sound fine. Right. Um, But what was crazy is it came with an 18-inch bass drum, too. And it matches. And it came in in a special color. They they had all these colors that Mm -hmm. were called embossed something. So embossed green and embossed uh, blue. Mm -hmm. And it's like they took a color... And the only way I know how to describe it is it that someone took a sharpie and kind of drew these like very artistic lines across mm-hmm. the color. Mm-hmm. It's like a sparkle that kind of yep. shoots through. Yep. So I ended up getting the embossed silver. That's the color it came in. Right. Which looks kind of gray, but up close you can really yes. see the silver kind of yes. pop through. Uh,
1: very really? tiger
0: stripey. Yes. looking.
1: Yeah, almost like a flamed pattern on a guitar you would mm-hmm. see a little bit like wavy quilted maple if you will not not as tight as a flame but yeah, almost like a quilted maple and it's gorgeous so the kit was in Alabama and it took some doing to get it
0: yeah. um, but I got it and I'm so excited I did yes. um, this will be probably the kit I play for the next 10 years yeah. could be even more and you know, you know
1: Chris it's just a tool yeah in your toolbox that you, you know, and, and, you know, I try to tell my wife this all the time. It's uh, <laughs> it's, a know, tool, it's a tool, honey, it's a tool. you know, we don't, you know, you know. know. Hey, man, the money's irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, especially for drummers, um, you know, which is why I wanted to, to, to touch on this specifically. Um, you know, you have to, you have to be able to have different timbres yeah. of, of of tones, you know, and and different qual and different woods and different um, size configurations are going to give you that in right. the drum in the drum set world, right? You and know. just
0: as I said, like you're saying, like I would I would encourage drummers to think about trying different drums, not only in sizes, but yeah, also different woods too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Because
0: your ear and even the feel of a kit. Oh yeah. Well, like oh man, birch feels way different than maple, right? Rice. And they're like, well, how how do you? What do you mean? It feels different. Well, go play it. Yeah, like you'll you'll, you'll figure put, it out.
1: Sit your butt down on the throne and get a stick and hit it. I mean, mm-hmm. for me working in the music store, you know, the the the, the response of the wood is what I notice. So when you go, you know, I guess um, from a guitar player's point of view, um, you know, I would. You know, I suck at playing drums, but I, I've got a few beats I can play. And I always felt like when I got on a birch kit, like I just played. My playing was more even. Yeah. You know, my dynamics weren't so up and down. Like I just felt more connected with the wood. Yeah. Um. Because of the way it was resonating. Mm-hmm. Uh. You know. You know. A lot of it was the heads were really nice that were on this particular birch kit mm-hmm. at the music store. But I just felt. Um. You know. It just uh. The, you know, you can probably, you know, give some more uh, adjectives to describe it, but it just felt um, a little more um, natural, organic feeling to me. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, different woods are going to give you, um, you know, different tones. But for me, the birch kit is, if I if I had to pick one, that's what I would get. It would definitely be birch.
0: Yeah, I mean, birch um, wood, you know, is, is somewhat, depending on the person you read, you know, an inter... Or, uh, a review or something mm-hmm. but most of the time Birchwood is is saying it has like boosted high frequencies. Yes. Um slightly reduced mid-range, but it has the most consistent low end.
1: Yes. And um, I, I think that that's you know for me that's what I noticed and you know not to get into the scientific weeds but <laughs> the human ear, the frequencies that it uh, uh perceives um are some are better than others. So, you know, that low end um, consistency, you're not probably going to notice unless you hook it up through a PA and mic it. Um, but it 's that high end frequency that mm-hmm. you can really hear um that I think connects um you know just the the average player, probably you would notice that clarity, mm-hmm.
0: yeah you know, And the other thing about down. birch is it's, it projects well yep so let 's think of the working musician mm-hmm. that doesn 't maybe have the budget for a nice set of microphones mm-hmm. um or they 're playing in venues where they need a little more projection mm-hmm. but uh, they're not cutting through the stack of amps or right. the bass player's you know massive, uh, you know S V T rig SVT wall rig, right? of eight tens. Yeah. So depending on what kind of bands you get into, birch is interesting because it is. Know, obviously with dynamics it can be quiet, uh-huh. but if you hit them hard, they're going to project well.
1: Yeah, um, um, and so
0: something I love about birch in that in that manner.
1: Yes, um, but I, I just you know when 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 you first bought the the Yamaha kit to the gig. Um, you know, the first thing that I noticed about the the kit was obviously the kick drum and mm-hmm. how tight it yeah. felt, and how good it felt. Um, you know, it wasn't quite as uh, you know thumpy. Boomy. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. You know, it's that's perfect, and that's exactly what you got to have. You know, if you're trying to go out and do just some jazz gigs, like you don't need that that boom when you're you know stirring the soup or or, yeah. or ching ching a chinging on on a jazz standard. You know, you need that that tight response. Um, you know, obviously you you tune your your kit to different when you're playing that, but nevertheless, you got to have that tool in your in your in your box in order to to go out and do that those right. type of gigs. And now you have it. So right. But yeah, the I think the other interesting thing that we talked about um, that you educated me on was uh, where that kit was made, and it was actually the last of a dying breed, yeah, so to speak. So- so the the
0: history of Yamaha drums interests me as well. I mean, the company's yeah. been around for a decade, yes. if not more. But they started making musical instruments in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first drum sets kind of rolled off probably late 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were made in Japan. You know, like it yeah. was a big yeah. deal. And so, th- so they were making drums in Japan before we all embraced the whole Asian musical gear thing. Yeah, and, you know, there, they were...
1: there was no embracing of Asian-made yeah. Yeah, we're yeah.
0: talking 60s now. Let's just remember the uh-huh. 1960s. You know, Beatles are hip and new. and yep. You know, you got Ludwig and Slingerland and uh-huh. Rogers and all these American Gredge. companies. Yeah. And then here comes Yamaha with this Japanese drum uh, set. Uh-huh. And even the badge says, you know, made in Japan. Yep. And that wasn't very, you know, enticing. You know, no. just as now when we see something that says made in China, we're kind yeah. of going, oh, Red Flag this? City. Yeah, kind of Red yeah. Flags. Uh-huh. This was the case in the 60s. Yeah. You know. Wow. So as as time went on... Mm-hmm. The drums to have from Yamaha were the ones made in Japan, not the ones made in China. Right. And uh, even though recently, and I'll digress a little bit here, Mm -hmm. the Recording Custom, which is their flagship drum set, Uh is made in China. Made in China now. And they're real proud of it. They got a massive new facility where they're doing this. uh,
1: According to our research, they they put about $10 million worth of their uh, money where their mouth is at this Chinese factory. So it's not some... You know, checkers on the side of a gas station. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah. But this kit I have, you know, when I started talking to people, they're like, look, if you're going to get a Yamaha kit and you're going to get a pro kit, Uh right, not not your entry-level stuff, not your intermediate stuff. We're talking pro-level kit. You need to try to get one that was made in Japan because the the Craftsman... Just top-notch, right? The attention to detail, and that's something I can tell you is like everything is meticulously thought out. Oh yeah. And, and just like engineering ideas. And yeah. I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like why didn't, why didn't I think of that on a drum set? Or why didn't I aspire yeah. to like try to find that? Right. Um, and so, like I said, it's a 2012 model and mm-hmm. it's one of the last kits to come out of Japan. Uh, one of the last custom absolute kits. And it's, uh, you know, as, as I told my wife, Very um, cool. I told that's her, a, I was like, this a, is a, this is kind of a Holy grail situation. It, it really is, you know?
1: man. I mean, that's literally the last of a dying breed, <laughs> yep. you know? Yep. Um, the 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 last run of things that came out of there yeah um which is you know um time will tell about the new factory that they just opened in, in china mm-hmm. um you know not to get too deep in the weeds but you know they pumped 10 million dollars into this facility to make their drum set so um they sent all of their master craftsmen from japan out there to do all the quality control over it. so i imagine they're not going to just send out you know it, it, you know, to me, it doesn't matter where where it's made. Um, if it plays good and sounds good, then it is good, it like is good. we've said. Right. right, Yeah,
0: we've said that a lot. And, and also, there's some great pictures. You guys should go online. Um, somebody that's been side-by-side, step-by-step with Yamaha has been Steve Gadd. And he's oh, yeah. Been, like, the I mean, proponent it, he's of like, the recording yeah, custom. Uh-huh. There's some great pictures of him at the Chinese factory <laughs> where he's giving them input on the changes they're going to make, yep. how it's going to be manufactured. Yep. Uh, one of the coolest shots is him sitting in a room and he's testing sizes of bass drums and mm-hmm. you can see it goes from like 18 to like almost 28 and there's a throne behind each one and he's sitting behind there. So, I mean, just trying you know, everything. you've got like the, the doctor, so to speak. That's, that's this, Dr. That's Gad Dr. Gad Steve you, Gad. Sir. Dr. Steve. That's Dr. Steve. That's Sitting there. So, you know, not yeah. only do you have the history of Yamaha, but you yeah. have someone like him who's, been that proponent, you know, behind Yamaha like that. Yeah, the goat for sure. So, um, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to sit behind, behind a kid and play it at some point.
1: Yeah. I mean, but, but I think ultimately, um, you know, and it's just like guitars, you know, you got to have different, different tools, different sounds. You got to be able to conjure them up, Mm -hmm. you know, based on what you're playing, genre of music that you're playing. Um, and you know, like a 20 inch bass drum it's Mm -hmm. like you got to have certain size snares yeah right yeah and then you got to have 22 a 20 and in some cases even an 18 18. if you're if you're playing you know ching 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 jazz yep um but i mean honestly for real world purposes i would say the 22 and the 20 you're covered
0: yeah i mean you're covered for 95 percent of everything with those And yeah. technically, you could play a twenty-inch bass drum in a jazz situation, just depending on the way
1: you tune it. Oh yeah, tune it, yeah. And, you know, slap one of those freaking deer skin heads or some <laughs> yeah. crap like that. One of those an- skin. an- antelope skins. <laughs> they still make the antelope. Yeah, moose skin. moose skin, buffalo skin, buffalo skins, <laughs> if you it will. Is. But anyway,
0: I'm excited um, yeah. to have it. It's been, it's been like this thing where I feel like I've I found something that was unique and special because it is. Yeah, it is. And uh, it wasn't going to Guitar Center and saying, I like that whatever Tama set or Pearl set or DW yep. set. No knock on any of these companies. I mean, they're the big three for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but to find something like that really feels like, you know, it's like, wow. Yeah,
1: and, and I think the um, similarities between, you know, me going over to the Digital Line 6 world and your Yamaha stuff is we knew... Yeah. What we were doing.
0: Right. And so that, right. We knew what we were doing. We researched the hell out of it and knew what we were going to get ourselves into instead of just blindly pointing at color and saying, that'll work. It's $2,800. Okay. Yeah. I want this
1: DW set because X, Y, and Z's plan. Well, maybe that's not what you really need to get. Right. Right. You know? Um, so, you know, take advantage of all the information that's out on the interwebs, but, um, you know, the, the the drum set is a killer, killer mm. buy. Uh, definitely a good purchase and a tax write-off. Oh, tax write-off. Tax yep. write-off. Yes, it is. So, tax write-off
0: indeed. Get Fiddles and Paradiddles will always be available for free, but we rely on our donations from our listeners. Please visit our website at getfiddlesandparadiddles.fireside.fm and click on the donate button. Subscribe to our show on iTunes, and if you enjoy what you hear, give us a review. So John, I think you touched on something really good there, you know, saying just because, you know, this person plays DW drums mm-hmm. then you should. Um, right. I think something we should all remember and and you know, I I didn't think about it this way when I was younger. No, is neither that the did reason I. there are companies like Fender and Gibson and DW and Pearl and Tama and these are the names you see a lot is because they have a lot of marketing dollars. They
1: do. Yeah. And they and they, and it reaches far and wide. Mhm. Um yeah. and you know, most of the time it, you know, the product backs up what, what they're, what they're selling.
0: Right. I mean, obviously right? if you had a lot of marking dollars and you didn't have a good product, it wouldn't last for long. Correct. So the product is great. Yep. But I think what happens is, is that for, for me and for mm-hmm. a lot of people that look at your heroes, mm-hmm. you know, looking up to your heroes, yep. you're going, Oh my God, like, uh, Neil Peart plays DW drums. Now yep. he played Tama drums for mm-hmm. a while. Like you go, well, that's the drums for me, you know, but are they really? You are know? they? Because obviously when I started out, The thing that influenced me was the Dave Weckles and Steve Gads and even Vinny and These guys played Yamaha, but they also played Gretsch at some Mm -hmm. point. I mean, the only guys like, I don't think Weckles ever changed from Mm -hmm. Yamaha.
1: He's always been Yamaha.
0: But as I came through the ranks, I started listening to rock Mm -hmm. and metal and all these kind of guys. And take a minute and think a minute. How many rock dudes play Yamaha drums? Not very many. I can think of Tommy Aldridge. Yeah, that's I can that's, think of Mike Borden. Yeah. That's probably b- but about it. I didn't know about these guys when I was, you know, early on. Right. You know, I like, mean, I you know,
1: know, you're you're you don't you're not as a studious of a of a person at that, you know, when you're coming up, you're not you know, you just you see the image. Right. Right. So I can tell you that I I did this. Mm. So
0: the reason I had a Tamma drum set is because I love dream theater. I love Mike Portnoy. Still right. do. And he's played Tama for a long time. Right. Of course, I felt like I needed a Tama drum set. Sure. And because that was my influence and that was the guy that was like impressing the most on me at the time, those are the
1: drums I researched. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I got a Stratocaster because I wanted to be jimmy hendrix right right you it's, know and that's
0: that's what we all do sure but i would say if you go that route there's nothing wrong with it no but just make sure that you're looking closely at the kit right and what just, it's made of yep. where it's made how mm-hmm. it's made its track record all these kind of things
1: yeah. um it shouldn't matter like you were saying where it's made um you know obviously there, you know the, the more you, you pay for what you get okay if right. you go out and buy a 200 hundred dollar guitar or a 500 drum set then it's the proverbial. It is what it is. Right. You know, um, when you're starting to get into some different, you know, price points, higher price points. Obviously, quality is going to go up, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. that's what you're paying for. So, you know, if you're trying to get bang for your buck, um, it, you owe it to yourself to really critically think about what you need for your gigs, your mm-hmm. gigging situation. You right. know, right? Um, and you know, that twenty-inch bass drum is going to lend itself to like probably 90 percent of the gigs yeah you know that we're doing around here right you know yeah. um, i mean it's,
0: it's going to be able to do a lot more than than just that i mean playing playing in some of the smaller venues but mm-hmm. playing in studio situations too like it's going to be a unique sound that engineers are probably going to go oh man i've not heard this before like mm-hmm. this is kind of cool mm-hmm. uh birch is really easy to eq it's really yep. easy to record so yep. um Think about the big picture. Yep. A lot of times I think we do buy gear in the moment. Yes. And then we go, man, I spent spent $2,000 on this and it really only has a few applications, Uh you know, but as working musicians, if we're going to consider these tools, Mm -hmm. how universal are they
1: to us? Right. Exactly. And I think that that's the whole reason I switched over to digital amp modeling and, you know, multi effects processors for my effects is just the practicality of all of it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, it's um clearly it doesn't sound as good as a hundred watt Marshall with a couple of analog stomp boxes in front of it, right? But nobody that's I'm playing for gives two flying flips. It's it's
0: good for your gig at Phillips, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or (laughs) State Farm Arena, right? Exactly.
1: So, um, you know, you've got to just really figure out, um, you know, you got to think long term about your gear purchases and 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 to. Uh, yeah, I don't want to make this any more guitar centric, but you know, especially for drummers, man, because drums are so freaking expensive, Chris. They are. You know, the hardware is expensive, cymbals are expensive, cases are expensive, cases are. Expensive. The car you have to buy to move I them. Mean, is expensive. Everything. <laughs> Give me a break, man. Like you, drummers, got it rough, man. So, you know, um, that's why you know we're going to try and you know really hammer some of these topics out dr- for you, drummers so we can. You know, I just feel like there's so much uh, to navigate through in the drum world as yeah. far as what's good and what's not. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Yamaha stuff, man. I, you know, for me and I don't play drums. They they are really really good. Yeah, really good. I'm not going back, dude. I'm I'm gonna.
0: I, I could see myself being almost a collector, so to speak. Especially yeah. the snare drums and, um, you know, there's a part of me that kind of goes, well, I've got an 18 and a 20 inch bass drum. Yeah. Best believe I'm starting to look for a 22. Oh, yeah. Because if I it's, found a 22 in uh-huh. this, it's oh, like, yeah. I'm done. I'm like, This will be good. Somebody's like, wait, you know, this is like three drum sets in one. Yeah. You know, like if I have a big rock show, bring yeah. the 22. If I have a, a jazz gig, play the 18. And mm-hmm. the 20 my all purpose. You know, that'll be fun.
1: So I'm trying to work on seeing if we can. Uh, I'm definitely going to get um, Shannon Corey back on. Oh, um, man, he's he, he's uh, endorsed by Trick Drums, mm-hmm. and their shells are made out of aluminum. Yeah. And they sound very birch-ish. Yeah, so, I can
0: imagine. Really, really uh, they have hit. that
1: that that projection. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he he can play on anything. They sound good, but they really are um, um, a interesting and a unique drum. The trick drum. So, and he's he can. Um, you got to just go to his studio, yeah. just go to his house because he's got literally here. like six kits set up, just ready to go. <laughs> just sit down on it, wow. and it's awesome. Oh my god! But uh, but no, you know, just to kind of um, you know, because those guys, and uh, also um, you know, we're going to try to get some special guests on, and th- they can give you some insight um, as far as um, choosing the right drum set for the right application. Right? Because um, Shannon has been doing this for a long time, and you know he found a drum set similar to what you're talking about right you know it works for him he's got every configuration that he needs right um and um it, it, it just it works. Mm-hmm. It works for him. He yep. doesn't care that they're made of aluminum, and some people get scared away. That's ah, made out of metal. Blah yeah. blah. blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. Right? Doesn't right. It Doesn't matter. Sounds good. It is good, they and they sound good. good. They sound really good. And I think there's a lesson in that
0: that we get caught up as musicians mm-hmm. in trying to emulate all the
1: time, all the time,
0: which is not either good nor bad. Mm-hmm. But we we do it. I you do don't
1: want to get. You don't want to spin your wheels in that, right?
0: Right. But there's there's got to be. Somewhere in between where you go, you know what, this is my identity. Mm-hmm. And part of that identity is the kind of drum set I play or mm-hmm. the kind of cymbals I play yep. um, or the kind of guitar or even the kind of, you know, effects or strings or whatever. Yeah. If it works for you, let that be okay.
1: Let that be okay, man. Yeah. Right. If it so happened to you know, cost you 500 bucks and good for you. And yeah. you, you are one of the, one of the few that, that, that can claim that. But the it, it, point is, is, you know, you got to just, um, you got to figure out, um, what works, uh, for your situations gigging wise, um, yep. and make your assessment based on that. But I mean, look at the Yamaha stuff, man. I mean, don't no, the stuff that they're going to be coming, that's coming out of China, I would, I would be hard pressed to, to find anything that's probably going to be, it's going to be rock solid. Long yep. story short, I can pretty much guarantee you yep. it's going to be rock solid. Yep. So
0: for sure. Well, um, since we've, we've decided to make this about drums yes. and, and we've, I feel like we've been doing great with our new segment. Like what makes that, what, what do we call it? What makes that song great?
1: Yeah. What makes the song great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Or good.
0: Or good or great or We're great or kinda of alright. Kinda of alright. <laughs> so let's segue into this, John. We're yes. first gonna need some music and then I'll then I'll explain. So
1: Skibby Dibby, Skibi Dibby, doo doo Bop.
0: Oh, so good. That's a good one, man. I'm so good, good about that. That's, st- a, that's a, tone, it's a good tone. It's, it's, yeah, I, thank you. That's awesome. Thank so, you. in the drum centric thing, our song for today is, is is uh, uh,
1: you, you do it. You do it. Okay, okay. This is one of my personal favorite um and I feel horrible saying this because I have two daughters, but um, that's neither here nor there. Don't judge me. Um, Winger. She's only 17. 17 by oh, Winger. Oh, my God. So, let's, the reason I say that this is more about drums here is,
0: is let's just First off, say Rod Morgenstein. He plays on this band. He obviously plays in this band, plays on this track. Please do yourself a favor. Before we even start talking about this song, listen to Rod Morgenstein. He's a left handed drummer. Yes. So for for Uh, writing a lot of Dixie Dregs, I believe. Dixie Dregs. Yeah, he played with Jordan Rudis before Jordan Um, Rudis was even He also did a
1: record with. Jimmy Herring, uh Alfonso Johnson, they did, they called themselves Jazz is Dead and they mm. did like Jazz Instrumentals of Grateful Dead songs. I've got it, I'll let you Ooh, hear it. That's and, cool. Uh Billy Cobham did the first Jazz dead record and Rod Morgenstein. Stein uh did the second record and he that's how I got he got on my radar awesome. um, so through that. Look him but, up, Rod Morgenstein. Yeah, that that drum track on seventeen is It's pretty impressive, man. So I used to call this song,
0: uh, not the band really, but the song, it was almost like jazz metal.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Because of
0: the cording structures and stuff. And although although it turns out, obviously, it it, it falls under hair metal. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a pop metal song. I mean, it's very singable. Yep. Um, But one of the things that make it great is that it does have a very... Uh, controversial subject, oh, yes. Inst- like instantly, it's called yes. Seventeen, right? Yes, uh, and and the lyric goes, you know, the one that stands out is, "Daddy says she's too young, but she's old enough for me."
1: My lord, that is terrible. Could you imagine somebody trying to cut that song right now? No way. You would, you'd be burnt at the stake no in way. this climate and culture and all this political correctness we live in. So, for all you young kids out there, all of you, all of our younger listeners who are probably. You probably have to be thirty under thirty, right? Yeah. Probably don't know um, about uh, hair metal. um yeah. uh, You know, it's it's starting to make a renaissance with Motley Crue and the, all that stuff. But do yourself a favor and go watch the video. The video. Um, and you will get a good encapsulation of what hair metal and that whole scene is, basically, by watching this video. Yeah. Um, b- above and beyond the styles of it the um the guitar the guitar riff i always say it that's always something that catches me immediately if it's got a good guitar riff i'm sold yeah i'm in take my money yeah right which obviously this does i mean just that intro part you you, immediately know exactly what's coming mm -hmm. right um there you know there you know that's that's what makes some of the best riff rock great is because when that guitar riff comes in like you don't even need to hear the melody you know exactly what it is right so it's got that yeah um it's got the controversial lyric right right, which makes uh, it stand out obviously
0: it it instantly becomes a thing that everyone wants to interview and talk about and
1: controversy
0: whether good or bad helps propel a band and a song for sure
1: right because you got to remember back in those days you know 88 88 (laughs) so i was barely nine years old probably then almost Mm. nine Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had two older brothers, and my eldest brother, who's uh, about, I think he's seven years older than me, six or seven. Anyway, he was big into hair metal, and this song was playing on repeat and on the tape deck. You know, you mm-hmm, have to rewind mm-hmm. it. You know, you have to write the counter, you, yeah, know, yeah, you know, the counter yeah, on the tape yeah, deck. Yeah. So you'd have to write where the where the number down, and you could rewind it to the right spot and listen to it over and over. Anyway, um, that guitar riff was... Pivotal for me, like like what is that? What is that sound? I want to. That's that's it. You know because, you know um, there's certain things. You know for me as a guitar player, I'm sure for you as a drummer, songs that when you hear it, it changed things. Yeah, it makes
0: you think differently. Yeah, and the thing too about hair metal in general. Um, they 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 were real they they would swing almost. You yeah, know? like this song re- has such a swagger to it. Yes, and a lot of that music at that time, the drummers and the, the rhythm sections and even the guitar players, like they were playing with such swagger.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, click tracks weren't abundant. Nope. Obviously, there was no Pro Tools, Mm-mm. so the bands were cutting this stuff probably pretty organically. Oh yeah. You know, and it was like that's why it
1: felt so good. Yeah, you and that's this the, song, man, yeah, you, and it's not get, like you your you standard, you know, uh, harem metal you know song i mean it's got some some teeth on it dude. like the arrangement yeah um you know some of the the stuff you break down stuff you know and come to find out that um he actually you know that big breakdown there he Mm -hmm. got the idea from led zeppelin uh, the crunch Mm -hmm. i mean if you go and listen to the first 20 seconds of the crunch that i mean it's yeah it's, very similar. It's, it's very similar. They just basically took that rhythmic permutation, if you will, and just slowed it down. Yep, like half timed. And then, of
0: course, Morganstein plays a displaced beast yes. beat over it, which makes it feel like it crosses the
1: bar line. It right. really doesn't. But he, right, and oh and 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 it was a number one song, and no hair metal pop song did that had that kind of arrangement and had that musicianship. Right. Um. You know, it was just. It was. It was a force to be reckoned with. It was. But. The lyrical content, I mean, <laughs> listen, it was the perfect storm because you got to think about, you know, all these girls that were coming to these shows were probably 17 or 18. So yeah. they thought, like, this, this song's about me. It's about me, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah,
0: And so Morgan you know? Sting, I mean, uh, Kip, I said Morgan Sting, uh Kip Winger, he's from Colorado. Right, and so he, you know, he's gone on record to say that um, seventeen was legal in Colorado, right? And he didn't, he didn't think anything of it yeah. until all the interviews right. and the weird backlash was coming in. He's like, I didn't get the joke.
1: No, um, I mean that's you know. the thing. I mean, back, I mean, dude, times where everything was. I promise you, people. Yeah, you know, if you're under thirty, listening. Uh, times were were way different back then, you know. Um, Loose, yeah. very loosey goosey yeah. back yeah. then, yeah. you know. Not as uh, <laughs> not as buttoned up. Not as buttoned up exactly. Thank you. So you you know, she's only seventeen. Really wasn't a. You know, I mean, hell, even the Beatles and their song. He was just well. I mean, seventeen.
0: You know, you know what I mean, right? But so that was what? Saw standing there. Yeah, in the '60s. That was the '60s. Yeah. So let's remember that this was this this particular topic was talked about twenty something years even before that, and here we are thirty years later. So we're talking fifty to sixty years of of conversation about seventeen. Right. So you know it. It wasn't uncommon. This is why Kip Winger writes about it. And uh-huh. he knows that that's young, but he doesn't right. know that it's
1: illegal. It's illegal. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, he promises.
0: Yeah. Wikipedia <laughs> that, says, I promise. Honest, I, I, didn't that, yeah, so. I didn't break that. I didn't right? break that.
1: But but so you've got um, the, the classic case of um, what makes songs good that are good. You've got a juxtaposition of lyrics and awesome music, right? Right. So it's either you know sad ass lyrics uh, over a really awesome beat, yeah, like happy yeah. beat, yeah. Nirvana, or, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. or uh, it's really uh, provocative lyrics and a total musicianship arrangement, yeah, like just the ultimate yeah. of of marrying all of it together. And let's remember, Wingers was a three-piece three know, piece band, three piece.
0: Kip Winger played bass, yep, and so. Uh, the challenge, I think, is that we read about is that it's it's really difficult to play that song and sing it and sing it, and dude, Linger's and perform it. And I perform mean, it. just me
1: doing like BGVs, man, like yeah. so that's so, that that's a feat.
0: Yeah, it wasn't like Kippel's was playing rhythm guitar and he could stop. He was the bass player. Yes, so dude, that's
1: huge. I mean, props. So yeah, if you're if you haven't heard of Seventeen by Winter, oh. I mean, to me, that is probably when I think of hair metal, I think of probably three songs and that's probably number one for me yeah like that's the that's it man that's i mean that's that's why you play guitar right to play that riff right yeah you know it's just oh my god it was um you know one of those pantheon guitar riffs so for me it's it's the you know like i've said before you've got the just a juxtaposition of lyrics and musicianship, and it's boom, you get boom. a hit song. Yeah,
0: so shout out to Red Beach, the guitar player that, yeah. that played that. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: check out Red Beach. I haven't heard any of his news. I'll have to go and do some, um, you know, research myself. I don't know if he's still playing, if he's still around. If he is, let me know. But I mean, what a phenomenal guitar track! Yep. The The just all of it, the rhythm, guitar track, the solo, all of it it's just phenomenal go get it check it out
0: well john i think that's gonna sum it up for today this uh this has been an interesting it, it has i, I feel like I it's had that, a lot
1: of energy yeah, yeah yeah you know we we bring it down with uh talking about 17 year olds so we we, we just we encompassed Some, so much somebody drop the mic <laughs> <Yeah>. somebody <laughs> drop it now cut yeah. it off yeah all
0: right, man. Well, let's yeah. get out of here. Uh, I think we've done well this week, and I- I'm excited to continue the drum talk. Yes,
1: we will. We will definitely keep this drum centric uh, for for the next couple of uh, episodes, uh, as per me. Mm, I know. Um, because, because the I just guitar feel, player
0: said, "Let's talk about more drums."
1: I just feel like we need to. We need to start uh, tapping into our paradiddle brethren. Mm. If you will, okay. So let's do it. Uh, we're we're going to continue this on. So we're we're moving right along here, buddy. Twenty five in the books. Twenty five in the books.
0: Let's uh, let's keep it rolling, guys. We will talk to you next week. And we are out.